Today is the last Sunday in the season of Epiphany, also known as Transfiguration Sunday. And traditionally, the following reading is read on this Sunday. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 9, verses 28 through 37. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. In the name of God, the Creator, the Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Bible begins with a creation story. And for a story that involves the creation of the whole world, it's really a very modest beginning. There's a description of the Spirit of God hovering over the face of the unformed chaos, the deep waters, the dazzling darkness, but you get the sense that the Spirit is looking for a way to connect and to create out of these materials something that will be beautiful and ordered and productive. The book of Exodus begins with a liberation story. It tells the story of the people of Israel under severe bondage to the leadership of Egypt, constantly laboring under horrific conditions. And so these people cry out to God and their cry does not go unnoticed and God reaches out to them through leaders like Moses and Aaron. Most of the stories about Jesus are healing stories. And there were healing stories to tell because Jesus was always outward bound, constantly traveling from one village to the next, making himself vulnerable and available, always opening his heart to other people. Creation stories, liberation stories, healing stories. The word I would use to describe the spirit at the heart of all of these movements is the word outreach. And as I say this, I realize that outreach is not a very romantic word. It lacks the color and the warmth of words like compassion and forgiveness and mercy. But to its credit, outreach is a good worker bee word. It's a dependable and consistent word. It describes the action of a person 
who comes home after a long day of work, goes into her apartment, is tired, just wants to get on to a show and, on Netflix and relax for the evening, and then thinks, I haven't seen my neighbor for a while. And so puts together a little fruit basket and some flowers and goes down to the hall, to the other end of the hall, and knocks on the door and reaches out in kindness. Outreach is the name of the committee at the church that meets on the third Thursday of every month. A group of volunteers who have a hundred other things to do and a thousand other things on their mind, but they meet together to pray and to discern and to think about how best to use the church's funds to make even better the common good in their community and the wider world. When we reach out in these ways, with love and respect and thoughtfulness, reaching out can save lives. When I was a teenager, what I lacked most in my world was a sense of peace and stability and consistency. There was a lot of tumult in my home. I was fortunate that a group of men who lived in my neighborhood noticed me. There was the owner of the local A&W franchise, a man who sold plumbing supplies. There was another man who was a dentist and still another who was an elementary school principal. And these men kind of took me under their wing. They brought me with them when they went out to play tennis or pick up basketball. They offered to take me out to entertainment opportunities. They listened to me and engaged me as if I was an adult and a peer of theirs, and it made a world of difference to me. Many people would say that they've survived the pandemic because friends and neighbors and relatives and fellow members of their churches and synagogues and mosques have reached out to them and offered them a sense of connection at a time when we felt very isolated from one another. So many times over the years, I've heard phrases like these from members of my congregations. We survived that time because the church reached out to us. Or, I could see he was hurting, so I reached out to him. I'll never forget the time when she reached out to me and offered a listening ear. Sometimes the best experiences of outreach are small and simple and come out of the blue and yet restore our confidence in the goodwill of humankind. One Saturday evening when I was walking our dog, Bo, through our neighborhood in Hartford when we lived in that city, I noticed a man coming towards me with his dog. And this was very late in the evening. This was actually in the early hours of the, of the morning. And as we passed each other, we exchanged simple greetings, but then I heard him stop behind me and he said, excuse me, would you like to come with me to church tomorrow? And I said, you know, that's one of the nicest invitations that I've ever received, but I kind of think my congregation expects me to be with them. What a wonderful outreach, one stranger to another. My guess is that many of us would say that our lives are healthier and holier because someone or several someones looked beyond their initial hesitation to get involved or their reluctance to reach out and nevertheless reached out anyway because perhaps they saw something in us that needed care or attention or kindness. My, this willingness to reach out with caring concern to friends and strangers, willingly and sometimes unwillingly, is so central to the calling of the church. In his book, Deeply Woven Roots, Gary Gunderson puts it this way. 
The power to bring people into meaningful relationships in the context of God's love is at the root of every congregation's strength. A congregation that finds ways to love each other will have no boundaries for that love. If of God, it will overflow into the community onto anyone who needs love or anything that, that can be delivered through love, be it food, assistance, or simply accompaniment. This power to accompany is not a limited resource unless it is conserved and turned inward, like trying to store up wind by putting it in a bottle. These phrases contained in this statement contain a wonderful promise, but also a challenge because a congregation that finds ways to love that will have no boundaries for that love or this love that will continue to overflow into the community, some congregations forget this or even resist it. We can become so comfortable in our own company that we forget that our calling is to reach out constantly and consistently to the wider world wherever there is hurt or harm or need of healing. And so it's important to tell those creation stories and those liberation stories and their healing stories because they continue to pull us out of our center. They remind us that we ourselves are not the point. The point is the healing of creation. The scripture lesson for today describes a moment in the life of Jesus that initially was focused upon him and a few of his disciples. It's called the Transfiguration. It's a remarkable, mysterious, haunting story where Jesus takes a few of his friends up to the top of a mountain. They have this dazzling experience of transcendence. They're really knocked flat by it. And then afterwards, as they're gathered there, one of those disciples, Peter, says, you know, it would be really good if we could just stay here. This is such a special place and we're so close to one another. Jesus won't have any of it. He directs them to come with him because they have to go back down the mountain. And as soon as they get off the mountain, sure enough, there's a crowd waiting for him. And there's a person who needs healing waiting for him. Because that's the nature of discipleship. We're always receiving this call, being drawn out into the world to offer the gifts that God has given us for the healing of the world. The good news is that Outreach can happen in so many different ways, but often takes root in small but significant actions that over time may grow to an almost unimaginable significance. I'm thinking about a woman I knew named Barbara who moved from New York City to one of the small towns in Connecticut, to one of the small cities in Connecticut because she wanted to be closer to her family. She felt that they needed her care in their elder years, and so she made that move. She moved into a very large apartment building. It was very hard to get to know people. And one day, something really tragic happened in that neighborhood. Someone was shot and killed right in front of the apartment building. And for many days afterwards, people uh, left flowers and mementos of this person who had been killed. And Barbara just noticed this and observed it and was very quiet but observant. And slowly, she came to talk with those who were bringing flowers and photographs. And then she got to know some of the business owners in the neighborhood who were also concerned about what had happened there. She got to know the family of the person who had been killed. Over time, Barbara became a community organizer, and she brought so much goodness and new life to that community 
not because she had moved there to do so, but because she was open to the spirit of outreach. And she continued to extend herself to that community in ways that brought a great amount of healing to everyone who lived in that particular part of the city. From such meager beginnings, we reach out, uncertain, tentative, somehow trusting that God will find a way for us. And who knows when one of those tiny movements might just turn into a, a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal, which requires us to reach out to more and more people in order to accomplish the vision that God has entrusted to us. Outreach in the name of God is the desire to bless the world rather than bruise it. And I think of the contrast between blessing and bruising as I listen each day to reports about the Russian invasion of Ukraine. War is catastrophic bruising on the landscape and on people. And this, this is in such contrast to the desires of God for the creation, which instead is a dream of blessing and interchange between people that is kindly and nourishing and uplifting. When we reach out to the world around us in ways that are respectful, patient, and humble, then we're activating the power to bless in the ways that we can feel blessed when someone reaches out to us with a kind word or some encouragement. Gary Gunderson writes that the heart of congregations is their capacity to be fellowships of blessing, forgiveness, and encouragement. It is the power to evoke, not compel, to draw, not push. It is the only way to nurture the slender flame of hope and share it in the darkness. And he reminds us that we all of us need a place where the full complexity of our lives is welcome, forgiven, hoped for, included, blessed. It is a particular strength of congregations to do that. I've read that particular passage many times over the years, ever since I became acquainted with Gary Gunderson's book, Deeply Woven Roots. And it has served as a persistent reminder that belonging to a church always involves two movements. One of them is outreach and the other is inreach. On the one hand, we remember that old hymn, you shall know they are Christians by their love. And also on the other, we dare not forget that we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Great inreach and great outreach always go together and accompany one another. As we are cared for and renewed and healed, by the friendships we form over the years in our communities of faith, the prayers we pray, the encouragement we, see, we receive, the music we sing, we are given the wisdom and strength to reach out from a place of good grounding. God reaches out to the world with blessing. We are drawn into that magic, invited to participate in it. It's a calling that is within reach of everyone to be an experience of grace over and over and over again until as it is in heaven, so may it be on earth. Amen.